Hey there, photographers. Did you know there are four different levels that most photography businesses go through? Well, I want to share those levels with you and give you some tips to help you get to consistent $2,000 sales as quickly as possible. And even if you're just starting out, well, it's probably within reach for you too. So join me for this free live training where we are going to talk about those four different levels and what's required to move from one level to the other to help you making more money in your business right now. I hope you'll join me. Just click the link below to register for free. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I'm Nicole Bagley, and today we are talking with Dory Howe from IPSM, also known as IPS Mastermind, IPS standing for in-person sales. <laughs> Whether you are doing in-person sales or not, this podcast is for you because we are talking about feeling the fear and doing it anyway, which is something that all of us as a business owner are going to be intimately familiar with. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now, your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. Hey, everybody. Nicole here from Hair of the Dog. Thanks so much for joining me for yet another podcast episode. This is our first podcast episode for 2021, a new year, which is really just one of my most favorite things because we start with a blank slate and quite frankly, a new year after 2020. Hopefully the only place to go is up, right? <laughs> so today we're talking with Dory Howe, but before we get to that conversation, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of you for being listeners to this podcast. I am so happy that we started this uh, at the beginning of 2020. I've really enjoyed this platform. I've loved talking with everyone. I've loved getting your comments about how these different episodes have helped you. If you find the podcast helpful, I would so very much appreciate if you would take a few seconds and leave a review. One of our latest reviews is um, coming to us from Italy. It says, I'm listening to the episodes of this podcast with great interest as they are full of useful information, inspiring ideas, and practical suggestions. I highly recommend this podcast. Thank you so much for leaving your review with us. Really appreciate all of those. And it keeps myself and my team motivated so that we can keep serving you guys uh, via this podcast and all of our other channels channels. So would super appreciate taking two seconds to do so. But in the meantime, let's jump back into our episode, shall we? And roll that episode with Dory. Hey, everybody, Nicole here. Welcome back to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I am here today with Dory Hal from In-Person Sales Mastermind, IPS Mastermind, IPS meaning in-person sales. We've talked about that bit on the podcast. Um, but Dory, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm glad we finally got this scheduled. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Oh, yeah, so good. Tell us, well, first of all, before we dive into what we want to talk about today, go ahead and just give us a little bit of background of you and your business and how you, sure. um, yeah, how you've become who you are today. <laughs> well, um, I am a portrait photographer based out of the Washington, D.C. metro area right outside in Virginia. And I 
specialize in newborns and families, mostly for newborns. And I'm making the transition like a lot of people in their businesses is that, you know, I did babies for 10 years. And yeah, that's a lot of babies. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time down on my knees. It's a lot of time leaning over and getting peed on and all that good stuff. And so I'm, I'm really trying to shift my business now to work with older families, with older children, and just do something different. I think a decade is a long time to do something. And as we as creatives, we stay in a niche for a long time because it's comfortable and that's what people know us by and that's what's paying our bills. But at some point in time, you just got to say, all right, it's time to do something different. So... That's funny. I was going to say just real quick. I um, the there's some similarities there between babies and pets because yeah. we are down on our knees all the time too. Usually laying on our stomachs yeah. and God knows what mm-hmm. goose poop or who knows what weird substance in the city, um, and making crazy noises and also getting peed on sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, very, it's very very similar. Um, so. It's just one of those things where um, I kind of started making this transition last year and then um, my mom got really ill and passed away. And so I closed my business mm, yeah. for about seven months and I'm just now starting to get back into marketing and letting people know I'm open for business and all that type of thing. And I would have done it sooner, obviously, but we had this little thing called the pandemic that I just kind of, you know, sat back and be like, okay, I'm just going to wait a little while. So, right. exactly. so there's that. And then almost four or five years ago, I met my business partner, Rachel Bourne. We started IPS Mastermind, which we now call IPSM. And it is a an education site for photographers to come and learn how to run great businesses using IPS sales method. Yeah, perfect. And that works no matter what genre you're in. Um, certainly portrait, any portrait genre. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you've taught for us and we've got other pet photographers really involved with us. And so it's a nice way to be able to serve our clients very well with the things that they love and the the people and because I consider I know most people consider their pets their people they're not they're not <laughs> pets they're people right like, whatever you photograph or whatever people you photograph it can work awesome absolutely yeah I actually started my business uh, back almost eleven years ago now once this calendar mm-hmm. flips flips over it's going to be eleven years mm-hmm. and I started doing families and pets two separate genres under one brand because I thought, oh, there's no way I can be just a pet photographer. There's no way you can make enough money doing just that. So I did families for five or six years and I loved them. I really enjoyed families. It wasn't like um, I did it because like I tried newborns and that was not my thing. I was like, no, 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 I'm sticking with the families, (laughs) dogs and families. But then it got to the point where I started to get so busy that it was I couldn't market my pet side as I wanted because my family's was all word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, just family after family coming and filling my calendar with great sales. Like it was a super profitable business, but my heart wasn't in the family side. I wanted to grow the pet side. And I was like, I have to stop this. So I have time to focus on that other thing, which was the scariest decision in my business to date, I think, because I was... Like turning off this basically free income stream that I did nothing to market anymore. And, you know, it was $2,500 average sale, wall art for everybody. It was like, it was, it was good. Uh, and I liked it and why I didn't dislike it. So, yeah, so that was the hardest thing, but, you know, it turned out it was definitely the right move and I'm super happy that I did, but, oh, those things are scary. 
Yeah, it is. It is scary to make those transitions, especially when things are rolling. And to the outside world, everything looks really good. So when you have right. to go and explain to maybe a partner or a spouse or your family that you just really don't want to do that anymore. And the only reason is because it's not fulfilling, <laughs> but you can't always right. put your finger on it because it's not right. about the money anymore. That's scary. It's just, it's one of the mm-hmm. things in your business when you make those big transitions that the fear element can really, really pop up big. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's actually transitions nicely to what we were mm-hmm. to talk about is that this fear element it affects so much of our business mm-hmm. uh, and really our life. But then once you put all of your all of your work eggs in a basket that you are responsible for as a self-employed entrepreneur, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that fear just skyrockets to all new heights. Yeah. And uh Add an yeah. employee or two crazy. and then that's when the sleepless nights come in and, and all that <laughs> right. kind of thing. It, it's very <laughs> scary. And I I've, I've studied fear now for quite a few years and Fear and confidence to me kind of go hand in hand because it's one of those things where I believe there's two different kinds of people in the world when it comes to fear and confidence and specifically about the confidence. There's people who see like, oh, I want to do that. I can do it. Like they believe that they can do something even if they've never done it before and even if they've never taken any steps towards accomplishing that action. Kind of like with me, I believe I can make a chocolate souffle. I have never, ever made a chocolate souffle, but am I capable of making a chocolate souffle after I watch a few YouTube videos and everything? Absolutely. And it's going to turn out and it's going to be good. And then there's another type of personality that says, I cannot make a chocolate souffle until I have all the perfect ingredients, everything lined up perfectly, until I've done it 10 times perfectly, then I can say... I can make a chocolate souffle. And the person who needs to have everything lined up perfectly, everything ready to go, all of those different things, that's the person who's going to slow down on their progress because every everything has to be checked. And we see this in photographers a lot too. It's very easy to put people in. Once you realize those two different personalities, I can point, I can see it really easily right away because it's the people who are asking well, should I put prices on my price list? Or what kind of album should I get? Or is getting bogged down in all these tiny, tiny little decisions along the way because they're fearful of making the wrong decision versus someone like me who says, okay, I need an album. I've heard this one's good. I've heard this one's good. I've heard this one's good. I invested in going to Imogene. I've seen their reviews and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to start with this one knowing that there's no really wrong decision and I can always change my mind. So if I get it and I don't like it, guess what? I don't have to offer it to my clients or I can for a little yep. bit until I find yep. something better. Yeah, no, I I love that 100%. I, I can totally see those two different personalities mm-hmm. there. And so many people in that perfectionist side get so stuck in student mm-hmm. mode where it's, I need to learn all these things. I need to have all of these set up. I can't possibly open for business until I have an inquiry guide and a product guide and customize this mm-hmm. and that and ever, all of this special automated things where 
once you just start taking progress and moving Ooh. forward, then you add on and spoiler alert, your business is never done. I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean, you're, you just said you're switching your whole business to more yeah. families. Same way. Like my business is never done. There's always, Oh, I'd like to tweak that. Oh, I'm going to update that. Oh, by the time you get around to it now, my website's five years old. I need to update right. that. It's never done and it's <laughs> never perfect. Like right. you, can't, you can't make, is there a right or wrong way to, for example, put pricing on a website? Well, no, there isn't a yeah. Put it all out there. Don't put it all out there. Guess what? Play with it. And I think a lot of business owners don't realize that like marketing takes time. You have to play with it, see what works, throw it out there. If it doesn't work, you adapt, you change. And you're always in this constant movement. It never is just mm-hmm. like, it's never just like, oh, I finished. I'm done creating my business now. Right. It's, not, right. it's, not like, it's, it's just not like that. Yeah. And the less you can get caught up in these little day-to-day decisions that hold you back. And the reason they're holding you back is because you're scared of making a wrong decision. You're scared of doing something wrong. It all comes back to fear. Mm-hmm. Once you can move past that and realize, okay, if I don't like it, I can change it. No big deal. It releases so much of that pressure and you can just make for you can make those steps and then go back and adjust if you need to. Um, yeah. And also knowing there's no right answer, right. Like there's no have to do it this way. I mean, there's certainly best practices that we should learn and maybe try to incorporate. Mm-hmm. But I know people that have built successful, profitable businesses flying in the face of all the best practices. You know, they're, I, I'm a huge, huge believer in in-person sales, huge. Mm-hmm. But I know people that have built a profitable business without but mm-hmm. they know the pricing basics. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe in getting people on the phone to build the value and getting more information. But I know people that have their pricing online and they run a profitable, great mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. So there is literally no right or wrong. So we can take that fear hopefully off the table and just yeah. remind yourself yeah. there's, yeah, there's, there's just testing. It's like, what works best for my business? And I think the piece that a lot of people are missing, and I, used to miss it a lot more. I still every once in a while have to remind myself, but before I do anything, I have to say, what's the intention of this? Yeah. So with mm-hmm. my pricing on my website, what's the intention of this pricing on my website? I'm not just putting it there for my health. Like right. there's an intention there. So or that, that guides want, me. Exactly. What do you want yeah. your client to do when they see this? What right. is the reaction that you want them to have? And then what is the action that you want them to take? And some people don't want any pricing out there because they just want people to call. I kind of like things to be a little, you know, pre, what's the word yeah. I'm looking for? Pre-qualified, pre-qualified almost or pre, yeah. yeah. So the people that yeah. want to call me, they're not, I'm not charging $15,000 for a session, but I'm also not charging $200 for a session. Right. They kind of know what they're getting into before they send me that inquiry email or give me a call. Um, yep. Some people don't want to be contacted via email. Okay, well, then you need better have your phone number all over the place or mm-hmm. vice versa. If they don't want to be called on the phone, which I actually like. And I think I think because of the, this was very interesting. You know, I was talking to my friends this week and we were commenting on the the trend of moving back towards phone contact, real Mm -hmm. personal contact with people just via email. Because right now, especially people have been sitting in their emails, sitting on their social media, sitting with their devices for seven months. And having those conversations with people, I think is fulfilling on more than one in more than one area. I agree. And I, yeah, I, I think too, that people want a quick answer. And our emails are so full that I know me, like, I, I, 
never loved the phone. I use it, but it's not like, oh, I love the phone. I would rather call a business and get an immediate answer because I know if I do an online form, they're going to reply and it's going to get lost somewhere in my disaster of an inbox, even mm-hmm. though, you know, there's just filters. So I just got a lot of email. So I know I'm not going to see it. So I think there's a lot of that out there too. Mm-hmm. Of just people. And I think there's answers too. Like, you know, when email first came out, what, 20 years ago or so, we were all in our email boxes all the time. That was the cool way to communicate with people. And now yeah. I check my email maybe once a day. And yeah. most of what's in there is junk. And as I try as hard as I try to unsubscribe and clean out my inbox, <laughs> and I know all the different tools that are available uh-huh. to do all that. Just Don't because, get around it. Yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> It's a heavy thing. Like, I think I have like 500 emails to me in my inbox right now. I was like, okay, because I know I'm going to just trash most of them. Yeah. Um, but that real personal connection is something that I think our clients are going to be wanting more and more, especially in the US and everywhere where this pandemic and this the shutdown continues. Mm-hmm. Um, once that opens up, it might go back the other way. But now people need connection. And so, reaching out and calling clients, reaching out and calling inquiries versus just shooting an email is something that people maybe want to consider when it comes to a customer experience standpoint. Mm-hmm. But a lot of just coming back to the whole fear part is especially when you're new and you're just starting out, there's no wrong decisions. That's just what I tell myself this all the time because I'm married to someone who becomes paralyzed by decisions. And I could tell him all the time, honey, there's no right or wrong. Like, what's for dinner? That's a big decision for him. Like, <laughs> what do I want? Because he wants me to be happy. Well, uh-huh. honey, just it, there's no wrong decision here. It's okay. Right. And guess yeah. what? If you don't cook what I like, I can cook what I want tomorrow. It's it's okay. <laughs> like I'm pretty happy if anyone cooks me dinner, I'll eat just about anything because I didn't have to cook it. <laughs> Like, yeah, right? sure. yeah that works. <laughs> Pretty so, easy to make me happy there. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so confidence and fear and just realizing that anytime there's a holdup in your business and and in making a decision in your business, whether it's shifting gears and deciding who you want to serve or putting your prices on a website or what products you want to want to offer or designing price sheets. We get so many questions about designing price sheets in our free Facebook group. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Or be a renegade like me and don't even have a price sheet. That's just like a shocker to anybody. Well, how do you let them know your prices? I tell them the prices. (laughs) Right. And that seems like such a novel concept. I communicate to them. They're fully informed. I just, I don't have a, a price sheet. Like, or a pricing booklet or anything right. like that. Just cut it out. And it's yeah. okay because that's how you want to do business. It's your business, your rules. So do it how it works best for you. Yeah. I think a lot of people get hung up on thinking, yeah, that there's that one best way. And then to to reach that quote best way, they end up making a lot of, uh, what's the word? Like cutting a lot of corners on what they want out of their business. Mm -hmm. So they stop looking at their business of how can I build this business in a way that fits with my lifestyle and a business that serves me And instead, they're like, well, I have to do it this way because this is the way that everyone's been telling me I have to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'll just make that fit in my lifestyle. But then I think you just become resentful and your business becomes this, you know, more of a burden instead of something that that you love and serves Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that you want to lead. Yeah, you should. Your business lives to serve you, not the other way around. And so you get to create it 
any way you want. And even though just like there's pillars of marketing, there's a lot of businesses that don't pay attention to those pillars of marketing and they're very, very successful, like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So remembering that it's, this is, you can make it whatever you want to be. Now, the other side of that is if you make it what totally what you want it to be and you don't have any clients, then you have to kind of, re, you know, maybe revamp and say, okay, if I want to have a business, there are some things that I might need to institute or add to my business or take away from my business mm-hmm. so that people are attracted to me to want to hire me. That's kind of yeah. the, the balance of things. Um, yeah. And keeping in mind the what your client is seeking, yes. what's valuable to your client and finding that spot where this is what I want to offer. This is what they want. How do I make those mesh? Mm-hmm. Oh, and let me run the numbers and make sure it's profitable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so to be able to to look at it from all those sides. Yeah, so there is some strategy in there that some people find overwhelming, but that's when you get some help and people can yep. help you with it. And it's not a hard thing to work out. It's just everybody has a coach. Professional baseball mm-hmm. players have a coach. Professional basketball players have a coach. Professional singers have a coach. Uh, yep. Everybody has a teacher or a coach in some way. So you go out and you talk to Nicole or you talk to Dory and you get a little help, some guidance in the right direction and you try it and see how it works. And that comes back to the whole trial and error. You try something new, it works, it doesn't work. You tweak, you try again, you tweak, you try again, you tweak. Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah. I think so many people are scared to do that because um, if they tweak and it fails, then they make up all this junk in their head of what that failure meant. And they start telling themselves, I'm not cut out for this. See, uh, I can't have a profitable pet photography business in this market. And they just like let it reinforce whatever junk stories they've had in their head. Yeah. The beliefs, the beliefs are strong and we both know that. And you know, you can tell yourself you live in an oversaturated marketplace, but maybe your market isn't oversaturated. Maybe your clients have become more savvy of what's available out there and they're tired of seeing the same offer put out there over and over by multiple mm-hmm. offers. So you have to be creative. You have to offer something new. And that's that's the challenge. And maybe it's not the fact that your family doesn't support you. Maybe the fact is that you've tried to do things before and you you haven't succeeded and maybe your family is t- isn't sure that you're going to follow through on this one so maybe mm-hmm. you're just a little bit wary so many times the beliefs that we have reinforced over and over and over aren't anybody else's fault but our own mm-hmm. and yeah doing that self reflection and taking ownership of that isn't always comfortable and we like to be comfortable yeah yeah and sometimes you just can't see it yourself no matter how you try you can look but you just you have this one perspective and you are married to it and it takes talking to somebody else you know to be able to have them help you flip it for instance the saturated market you know the one thing the easiest way that i like to try to flip that for people especially in the pet photography niche because it's still a somewhat unknown niche as far as like the general public knows because how many times somebody asks what I do I'm a pet photographer and 95 times out of 100 they say what "What? you're what that you just photograph dogs like just pets that's it like people love their pets yeah right right and absolutely but you know when you get that answer 95 percent of the time that tells me that the general market doesn't even know that we exist really yet so isn't it great? Instead of looking at, oh, there's five other pet photographers in my market. 
what if you said, looked at it as like, there are five other pet photographers marketing in my market, raising awareness for what I offer Mm -hmm. so that it becomes an, an easier, just more people know more people are searching pet photographers, more people are seeing your potential business. You have more people to share the value you can bring to them. Yeah. And the easiest way to stand out in an oversaturated market is not only by making offers that are different than everybody else, but also making sure that your artwork is different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You don't have to shoot a dog in a studio on a black backdrop. You know, so many different things that you can do to make yourself stand out. And that's when the artistic side comes in, is that making sure that your skills are up up to speed and that you have everything that you need for the jobs that you want to take and you can provide an awesome session no matter what the situation because I get accused sometimes of talking too much of business and not talking about the artistic side a lot. It's like, no, no, that's a given to me that your skills right. need to be on point that if you're going to hang your hat out as a photographer that you are good at what you do yes. and you have enough skill and enough talent to provide someone with something that will be memorable for generations and if you don't have that, then that's your number one starting point. Yep. Agree. 100%. And I've seen a lot with potential students or my students that there are, when they're starting out, there's two, two sets of people here too. There are the people that 100% have beautiful work ready to hit the market that think their work is not good enough yet. So they have this whole self-conscious thing about their work. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other hand, people that their work is not ready necessarily, but they think, oh, whatever. It's great. It's good to go. So there's you know, especially just those people that have that work and it's ready, but they have so many stories in their head that it's not ready. I don't know if they're comparing to like, you know, the people that have been in business for 10, 15 years, but even that their work, when I look at it is as good as theirs sometimes, you know, we all know photographers who are really, really good at their craft who can't make any money. And we all know photographers who are really, really horrible who are making a good living. And we see this all the time, especially when it comes to the topic of IPS. Uh-huh. Am I good enough for IPS? <laughs> Is my work good enough for IPS? Am I gonna, and my standard result, my standard answer for that is, do you have people wanting to hire you? Can yes. you, do you have clients? And usually the answer is yes, which is awesome. I say, well, then of course you're good enough for IPS. That's yep. really how, if you have people who want to who want to hire you for your services, then you're absolutely good for IPS. Yes. Yeah. If, um, oh, go ahead. No, no. And it's usually the people who are asking those questions, like you were saying earlier, whose work is gorgeous. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and everybody's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, right. Like, and it's and I think they, they worry. I, I get a lot, too, of people like that that are worried, like, wow, well, I don't know if, you know, if somebody hires me and I don't. I don't know if they're going to be happy with what they get, you know, what I create for them. And I would be like, and I always tell them like, okay, are you creating something that is on par with what you're showing them on your website? Mm-hmm. Yes. Then yes, they're going to love it because they looked at your website and hired you because right. they liked what they saw. Right. right. <laughs> now hiring when you're going out with a, with a client, that's not the time to necessarily test all your new skills right. that you learned in a workshop or saw on a YouTube video, you still have to deliver the standard session that they want and then maybe test a little at the end. But right. if, it's, if it's on par with everything that they've seen on your website and you know you can recreate it, they're going to love it. They're, yeah. How do they yeah. not? And we don't force people to hire us. That's the other thing too. It's right. Like, it's like, I'm not going, we're not insurance where we have to buy insurance. You right. know, people hire us because they want to, because they have discretionary yeah. income that they want to spend on something specific and they want to get it from 
you. Yeah. I had a great experience with I being on the other side of that when I went through a rebrand uh, about six years ago. And I was looking at different graphic designers. And then I found this one that I really connected with. Their website was totally different. Everybody else was like, oh, I'm a graphic designer. Like they had, you know, the normal photographer boilerplate uh-huh. website where it all kind of sounds the same. And then this other company was so different. And their personality was so on there. And I'm sure they repelled quite a few people, but they pulled me in and I loved it so much. And like, this is who I want to make my new brand. I'm putting in my inquiry and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope they choose me. (laughs) I find out what their prices are. It was like twice as much of what everything else was when I was planning on spending. But I'm like, oh, but I really want this. Oh my gosh, please, please say yes. Please say yes. Please say yes. Yeah, please. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I want my clients to feel like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what many of them do like they are they are excited to spend their money because they see the value of what we're offering mm-hmm. them and yeah like no one's forcing them to they're not handing it over you know it's not like IRS tax day yes. where they're like here take my money mm-hmm. um they're they're excited to do so right yeah and it's so much of what we talked today is is just you know, it kind of falls under the umbrella of mindset. But when you start to really kind of analyze where people are coming from and their perspectives and how just the slightest, just the slightest change of how you look at a situation can make such a dramatic difference in your business and in your life. It really can. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't always look at it from, I always, this is what I tell people is trying to to try and change the negative story that you're telling yourself into a positive. And we had that problem um, with IPSM a long time when someone else basically copied our entire format and started a new site. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really rough. And I had a really hard time with it. And a mentor that I was working with at the time, he basically said, what does this mean? Throughout all the things that this means. And it finally got around to where it means that we're doing something right because they want to copy us. It means Mm -hmm. that they want a piece of our pie. They see that we're being successful. Now, all of those things meant that we had to rise above and provide something different so that people would be attracted to us. But it keeps us on our toes all the time, which is good. It keeps it's a challenge, which is good. So if you just switch the perspective versus like, oh, there's so many photographers in my area, they shoot just like me. I can never ever do it. No one's gonna hire me. To hey, I have a real opportunity to see what they're doing and then pivot and do something different that people are going to want. That's that's all you need to do to just get that your brain working in a different direction. Yeah, that's and that's the exact story I use. um, And I try to encourage people to adopt when they see like these different companies that come in and do oh, $39 for uh, a photographer will show up at your door in two hours or people that are worried, oh my gosh, have you seen the latest iPhone? It's going to put us all out of a job. I'm like, okay, an iPhone (laughs) can't remove a leash. An iPhone can't shoot at like 1.2 with creamy backdrops and editing and creative edits and all of these things. Uh, An iPhone doesn't know how to set the dog up or know how to set them up in the best light. Like, we have all of these things and the it, it just encourages us to continue to raise the bar, mm-hmm. to continue to learn more, to continue to offer something extraordinary to our clients, um, which everybody wins. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is a win-win for like the industry, for you as a professional, for you as a business person to keep raising that bar and yeah. doing better. And if you can't, if that seems overwhelming, then that's something you need to consider because that's never going to change. Technology is hot on our heels every single day. We have to be able to provide something different. And um, 
I will start to worry when they come out, like with the photographer robot who can start posing and you know communicate all those different things. But I don't think it's going to happen for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't think it can ever happen with pets. So we're yes, yes, good. We're good. <laughs> you'll, you'll be switching. You'll be like, um, I'm moving to pets from families. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's so funny? My sister got a, she rescued a dog a few months uh-huh. a few months ago, and I keep saying, I need that. Is he over to do? Um, to do some nice little pictures of her. Yeah, yeah right. She's just a, she's the cutest little mutt, cute little thing. Oh, love it. And I, I don't think I'm up to the task. <laughs> I'm just going to be, I think we might need to hire a professional because I don't think I'm up to the task of making her look as cute as she should look. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, it's so funny. All the different genres are so so different. I mean, I am a, a, I, you know, fairly accomplished photographer, but if you were like, go take newborn pictures right now, they would look like garbage <laughs> because all the different genres have so many unique pieces to produce the best work in that genre. So it's, yeah. And a wedding, if you told me to go shoot a wedding, I think I would cry. <laughs> I, I kind of like to say that I think I could probably produce decent pictures of any genre. Yeah. But you don't want just decent. The iPhone, right, exactly. IPhone, yeah. iPhone can yeah. be decent. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, if you have a newborn, Nicole, like the client that calls you that's in my area, just send them my way. Oh, 100%. That, is, that, that has been um, recommended to someone else for years. I think I did like three. I'm like, this is not the, the patience to like, oh, like I could, I could wait and reset up a dog for a shoot like 37,000 times and never lose my cool and like love what I'm doing the whole time. Like waiting for a newborn to fall asleep. I did do some lifestyle ones that I liked a little bit more, but you still wanted some like nice sleeping Mm -hmm. babies. And it's like, I don't have the energy for this. It's hard. (laughs) Well, you know, total sidebar. It's, it's hard when the parents are getting frustrated with the right. It's the same. Well, that happens with pets too. Cause yeah, the parents, sure they are, yeah, they're like, sit, sit, sit. I'm like, no, they're good. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the things that I always tell them is, Hey, your dog just has to be a dog, you know? And when we're set up, I'm like, he stands up and they sit. I'm like, Oh, he can stand. He's fine. Like, yeah, it's cool. And then, oh, yeah. So just leave, just like yelling at a two-year-old to try and get him yeah. to and smile. It doesn't really work that way. <laughs> no. So, and I think when you walk in the door as a parent, like even as a photographer with oh, my yeah. daughter, it's like, Oh yeah. She's 13. I can't get a good picture of her. She gives me, she is the most uh-huh. difficult client. I'm like, can't you just like, give me a night? You know what it is. You're right, you right. Do it. No, no. no. I, I feel the blood pressure going and it's hard to get that separated. And so I understand what my clients go through. Yes. And I'm always reassuring them they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. This is what they yeah. do by nature. So yeah. It's all good. Yeah. My dog, even my dog does the same thing. I go to photograph her and she just like has this like stoic face. I'm like, can you give me any of those cute expressions you do? And I try all the things that elicit the expression when I don't have the camera, but she's just like, no, I give you the serious face. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to smile at you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. You're the hardest. Actually. Yeah. Photographers dogs are definitely the hardest clients to photograph because they've heard all our noises. Like normal people's dogs haven't heard my random hunting whistles and all my weird whines and all those things but photographers dogs have heard it all yeah they're like this isn't this is not you got to work a lot harder mom you don't need it get the reaction you want 
<laughs> so hard. So hard. Um, so yeah, jumping back to fear and when people realize that they're like, they're getting a little paralyzed or they're getting stuck in that indecision other than just saying, it's okay, just make a decision to move forward. Are there any other tactics or things that they can try to try to get them out of that unstuck? You know, I think sometimes just removing yourself from the situation, go concentrate on something else. Mm -hmm. I think for me, when I have my most creative ideas or my, my, what I think are my best ideas, I'm not sitting in front of my computer. I'm not sitting in front of my camera. I'm not sitting in a chair saying ideas, ideas, ideas. I need to, I need an idea now. Mm -hmm. I'm in the swimming pool. I like to swim. So I'm in the swimming pool or I'm walking with my husband. Usually it's doing something physical. Mm -hmm. I'm having a conversation with someone about something else, or I'm observing a marketing tactic that someone is using while I'm walking through the grocery store. And so I feel that when you're really, really stuck in those types of situations, sitting there and trying to pound it out is not going to help you. You need to remove Mm -hmm. yourself from the situation. Go take a 15 minute walk and just give yourself some space to to think about something else. And I don't think entrepreneurs allow themselves that breathing room as much as we should. Mm -hmm. Because that's really where the good ideas come. It's not sitting at the computer trying to work out a strategy for something. Mm -hmm. We have a joke at IPSM when we're really trying to work on something and kind of come up with some creative ideas to do something. I'm like, can someone just go to the bathroom? (laughs) Just go go in the bathroom. All of us, we just need to take a break. Just go in the bathroom. Go step outside for a minute and get a change of fresh air. And that can really, really just, it can help or just work on something else. Distract yes. your mind from the thing that's causing you to hold you up for right now and just go work on something else. So if you're trying to decide what album and you really, really can't do it, guess what? Go edit some pictures for a while and do what makes you fulfilled creatively. Mm-hmm. And give your brain that space, whatever that means for you. Um, mm-hmm. Remove yourself for a moment from what's really causing that anxiety because that's what's going to start happening is the more you try and and make yourself come up with a creative idea or make yourself make that decision, it's just going to become harder and harder and harder to do so. Yeah, agreed. I definitely get my best ideas in the barn or in the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need to get like a whiteboard, a shower whiteboard because I, yeah, and then I get out. I'm like, wait, what was that? <laughs> I know, I always forget. Okay. Well, I, have water, I have a waterproof case for my phone now. So I actually do take it in the pool with me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, that's more just like to record dumb videos for Instagram or whatever, because I can do it underwater now. But um, I will, you know, jot it down or do a voice memo or something when I'm in mm-hmm. the pool because you you will forget. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I found one of the other tricks for that too, for, you know, coming up with getting out of getting unstuck of things when you're feeling a little overwhelmed is just to re-ask yourself that question in a different way. Like ask yourself, is there a better question I can ask mm-hmm. um, of myself here instead of like, you know, what, how, what can my inquiry process look like? How, how do I want clients to get in touch with me? Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm so overwhelmed in creating this inquiry process. Instead, maybe ask what, what does my client need from this inquiry process? Mm -hmm. What do I need from this inquiry process? What's the easiest way to combine these? Like just switching the verbiage, which sounds silly. And I remember when I first heard about this and like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but it really does help because, you know, I've said this on podcasts before where I, you can't say, I can't say right now, don't think of a pink elephant. Like, and all of us just oh, thought of a pink elephant. elephant. Yep. You know? Yeah. Like it's, 
actually impossible. So by asking yourself these different questions, like your brain has to try to answer them and then just give yourself some space and they'll pop in. They will. They will totally pop in. I find changing the scenery, changing the perspective, changing the question, jolt yourself out of the rut that you're digging yourself into. All of those things are helpful when you need to move ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really what our business is, is a constant, constant moving ahead, little bit here and there. And it's just always moving forward. And, you know, if you got to get comfortable with facing that fear every now and again, because it's going to keep popping up, because once you get over that, then you're going to get to something else. You're yes. like, Oh, wait, well, this is new. Mm-hmm. Because our brains say, Oh, no, change is bad. Change is scary, because I might die. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. you know, I, I can compare that to the um, Italian grandma, no offense to any yeah. Italians, but that overprotective grandma that wants to keep you safe and feed you ravioli all day. That's our yeah. brain. Our brain uh-huh. wants to keep us safe. And so the minute we're forcing ourselves to think of something in a different way that might change our reality, yeah. our brain's going, whoa, everything's good right here. We don't like this more ravioli. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're doing garlic bread. Yeah. Stay safe with grandma. You don't need to go on that date. She's got you covered. She's, she's taking care of you. Um, right. That's not staying safe is not going to help you achieve your goals. Right. Yeah. You have to realize that they're looking out for your best interest, but they don't know what your best interest is. It's from their perspective and you need to hold track, hold tight to your perspective on the situation. Yeah. And I think also flipping the switch a little bit or the script a little bit about like when you start to get a little bit uncomfortable, that probably means you're working towards something good. Because anytime, yeah, anytime we're going to have any sort of growth, it gets uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the you question like, is this right? Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this is getting really, really crazy. Because you've never been there before. Your brain can only send you messages based on where it's been or what is familiar to it. So as soon as you walk into the unfamiliar, then it doesn't, it doesn't know how to process it. It's like all of a sudden everything starts going haywire and short-circuiting and you start to get that fear. You start to feel uncomfortable because it doesn't know how to tell you what it needs to tell you because it's, it's never been there before. So you have to tell your brain to settle down. Say, dude, trust me a little bit. We're, we're good. And move thanks forward. for keeping me safe. Yeah. But shut up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, no thanks. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, man, Dory, this has been such a good conversation. And yeah, I think really helps some people hopefully keep moving forward and realize that that little bit of fear is actually means we're on the, the right track. Mm-hmm. But before we go, are there any words of wisdom for, you know, photographers that are in the first year or two of their business and they're in that? place of just like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. I don't know what the next step is. Help. (laughs) Remember that when that feeling of overwhelm comes, that is because you have put some sort of timeline or expiration date of when you need to have this done by. And many people put this on themselves. They start thinking that like you start seeing all the tasks that come in and you start to become feeling overwhelmed. Well, it's because you feel like, oh my gosh, I have everything done by Saturday. No, you don't. You really don't. And many things that new photographers think they have to do, as you learn from the experts who have been there, you probably don't need to do it. Like Mm -hmm. really, it's like I said, price sheet. Guess what? You don't even need to have one. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's okay. So pick and choose those things. Learn from people who have been there before. Learn from their mistakes. There's many people like Nicole and myself who are absolutely willing to say, hey, I tried that once. 
this is what happened to me. This is my perspective. Mm -hmm. This is my experience. Take this for what it's worth. But we've been down the road. We know, Mm -hmm. we know how things are and what our client base has reacted or how it's impacted our business or some decisions that have come up and let us help you. Mm -hmm. Let us help you. There's no, there's no ego here or anything like that. It's just us wanting to see people be successful. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, nothing makes me happier than when I see my students that have a success that they, you know, maybe wouldn't have had or wouldn't have had as quickly, um, you know, that, it's just, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah for sure. So um, yeah, so tell us where people can find you if they want to learn more from you, Dory. Okay, well, there's a few places. So if you're on the grams, that would be either um, the Dory Howell or at IPS Mastermind. Those are the two social media accounts. We have a wonderful step-by-step process for the IPS system that we sell with called, it's called Revive. And that is offered through IPSM. And you can find more information about that at weloveips.com. And if you're on Facebook and you just want a really, really great community to connect with, to complement what you're learning at Hair of the Dog, then we would love to welcome you in our Facebook group, which is just um, IPS Mastermind. And you look for the little registered trademark circle for the group. And then you know you're in the right place. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks again for being with us again, Dory. And um, yeah, have talked to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community.